Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We just have a good rhythm together. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it. Welcome to this episode of The Frosty Fellas, an online broadcast where Guy Montgomery and Tim Bat, two comedians originally hailing from Aotearoa, New Zealand, repeatedly punch themselves in the balls through cinema. We have just completed our 32nd watch, if my math is right, I think that's right, of Sex in the City, the movie. Is that right? That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. 31 plus 1, 32. Way to go. Good morning, Tim. 9.41 a.m. Melbourne, Victoria time. I Mm -hmm. woke up after returning home from a Dungeons and Dragons campaign that closed at 3 a.m. I woke up at 7 (laughs) a.m. to deep dive. Uh, Some other comics. Daniel Sloss's uh, organized a game as Dungeon Master. I play the that the El- would be cool. I play the elf Greg Greg. The second Greg has two G's, but you can call me Greg <laughs> Greg for short. I uh, had a lot of fun, you know. And I got to say, the difference between the uh, day and night—it's it's honestly like night and day. That was of all the watches we've done, one of the most harrowing experiences I've had with any any media. Uh, really? Oh, just like, just, fo- just you know, so there's two different experiences you can have when you're really, really tired. And one of them is when yeah. you know that you're allowed to go to sleep. And I would argue that is one of the best feelings that you can have in the world. Mm-hmm. Like when you just let your eyelids shut. And you know when you're so tired that blinking feels really good and you do a blink yeah. and you try to open the blink but your eyes are just shut like, no, 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 this is where we are. And you're like, oh, oh yes, no. we're allowed to be oh. here. The other is when you're that tired and you have to watch Sex in the City for the 32nd time. <laughs> yeah, those are the two options. I'm afraid you're going to get sick in Melbourne because it's a lifestyle during the festival season that does not lend itself to good health. And you need to try and get as much recuperative well, sleep as possible. But I this know. is really hampering that, well, huh? I've, I have had uh, the, the last two nights off the beers so I've been out late but I've been uh, just consuming unholy amounts of water and quite a confused sort right. of strategy to keep myself healthy 
No, that's uh, not confused. That's smart. That's good stuff. That's smart. I know, water. but I, I, I think, you know, still at the cost of sleep, which does sort of factor in as quite an important part in staying healthy and on top of stuff. So it's, um, it's. I've got a pretty confused body. I'm pretty cross at us for agreeing to this. Yep. Uh, it does not mm-hmm. seem sustainable. You're about to join, join me in Melbourne, which is, um, I mean, you know, we've often talked about Pavlov's dog, uh, and I do fear, like, I, I am not in any way, with due respect to him, looking forward to you being here. Is that, um, I was actually going to ask, has it happened yet that you don't look forward to seeing me and you've just answered it? And I am very hurt to hear that. I know, to be I know. And understandably, too, I don't want to feel that way, but I'm just, I'm, I am being as honest with you as I can. I, yeah, I, I dread it. I'm, I'm, I've shut my, I've shut myself out of the apartment I'm living in, like like a f- yeah. dirty little dog, where yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not allowed inside because I've been naughty, and um. Okay, well, let's talk through this. What are you so worried about with me coming over? I already feel really stretched for time. It's a, it's a busy time of year, and now all of the free time I've had for mental health and physical health recuperation is going to be absorbed by just willfully consuming the worst possible media with you. Uh, obviously in the name of fun and research, but uh, it's just, it, what it is, it, it's just shut, it shuts down the avenues for, um, for any free time, which is sort of the, the, the crutch that I've been using to prop up my, uh, you know, mental stability at the moment. This is just a simple reframing exercise. You've got to start considering watching Sex in the City as free time, as a oh, leisure activity. Oh, so oh, the, way oh, that we, no, the way that we're going to achieve that... That's the meanest thing you've ever said. The way that we're going to achieve that is by getting some A-class guests uh, to come on. And we don't... I only really want to watch the movie a couple times with you while I'm over because we're going to try hard and <laughs> bang out another season of overlooked and undercooked our um, limited podcast series where we watch rob schneider's netflix disaster with different comedian guests um but we don't we don't need to go fucking hog wild on sex in the city we need to watch it once for the live show and maybe we do one other one while i'm there i'm there for like what 10 days i think that seems all right doesn't it well no because even within the the model of how many episodes we're watching that's not enough for while you're here. No, it's not. We're not even keeping pace, you know, with the, with the speed oh, limit, the fuck, minimum just, speed limit. I, I'm like, I literally felt sick the whole time you were just talking. I know it is a simple mm. reframing exercise, but it's like, I don't know. I know I've enjoyed it not two watches ago, so anything's possible. But what I just had was like... You're in a very emotional... Look at you. You are really out of sorts. Yeah. How was it for you? Um, I think... I mean, obviously not good, but I have had a little bit of distance and a cup of coffee and a Skype call in between, so the edge has been dulled a little bit. Also, of course, um, I watch a little bit later than you, I think. Wait, Mm. does there math on that stack up? Yeah, yeah, you do. I got up at 7.30 to watch it, though. Like, I, I, actually, I woke up just before 6 a.m. Because, unfortunately, my wife's a bit crook. And um, 
<laughs> it's kind of mean in retrospect, but I, I how does it happen? So really re- this is an gone. old riddle. What is a yeah. what is it? What does a doctor do when they're sick? If they call up work, they say, I can't come in to work. I'm sick. And then their work says, well, you better get in here fast. Judging by what I'm seeing, it's uh, watching some David Attenborough in bed on a laptop and mucking around with a dog. You know you can watch David Attenborough. Do you know you can watch David Attenborough on your your (laughs) viewing platform, Tim? Did you know that you can actually do that? that? No, you're fucking wrong about that. My device is virginal. It is pr- it is kept pristine for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's for carrying the gals to parade around. Night after night, day after day. But um, I exited the bedroom as quickly as possible because I didn't want to get her germs, and there was no oh, um, yeah. air circulation in the room. <laughs> it's kind of mean. So you just got up and got to it? Got to it, got to work, jumped in the studio... Got myself a nice cup of coffee and just fucking tucked in. It's so, it's such a bad film, isn't it? What did you? Well, Fuck. let's. I don't know. Let's try and find some redeeming qualities just to to lighten the lighten the air. Did you did you enjoy anyone's company this week? Did anyone out of the blue sort of you know take you out for a drink and show a side of themselves you'd never seen before? Weirdly, for some reason, Louise did, which I don't think has oh. ever happened before. But she was just like, um, <laughs> do you know what's so weird? I always kind of, uh, obviously not in a logical way or in a 100% literal way, but in some way I always kind of forget she's in the movie. Because you know, they have this, yeah, go on. No, you go and then I'll tell you what I was going to say. The treatment of the character is so disrespectful where they kind of bring her on for no particular reason really Carrie says oh this was something I laughed at today when Carrie says I couldn't think of a better time to get a personal assistant or where's that effect that that sentence might not be word perfect but she says that and I'm like I reckon I can think of a better time it was when you were trying to plan a wedding and it put a huge strain (laughs) on you and Vic's relationship (laughs) and if you had a personal assistant to do the admin maybe you could have communicated better and none of this would be happening that is so good I uh, I just find it funny. Like I I hadn't really thought about it like this until you brought up Louise. But I've sort of I think quietly been treating her as an ally of ours since we started. Oh, like, nice. I think of her as not like a mole, but certainly she's in there on behalf of us because she's the only character who's given any substantial amount of screen time who exists and or like as you know as independent of the the franchise. And yeah. accordingly, she doesn't, you know, the same thing that happens to all sorts of secondary characters in these movies we watch. She doesn't get given enough screen time or backstory or fleshed hey. out enough to to learn just, how to... I just thought of something. Yeah? Does any other character at any point in the movie see Louise? <laughs> uh, Is Carrie the only gal who sees her? Yes, I'm so I'm so confident that you're right. What the fuck? Is she not real? Do you reckon? Is she a spectre? I think it's some sort of projection of white guilt that Carrie was like, I literally have no friends of colour. I'm gonna invent a personal assistant to fill this void. I can't oh. think of any time in the movie where she 
interacts with another character who isn't Carrie, except for her own family and her and her um, fiance. I think I I think you're exactly right. And even then, that's seen through the 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 eyes or the experience of Carrie. So wow. that could all be constructed within her mind as well. You've stumbled into something absolutely massive here. This is big, and I didn't even think of it during the watch. That's just come to me now. It's like there's a um, popular theory that Ferris Bueller's Day Off is all uh, just the imaginings of Cameron and that all the other characters don't exist. Um, oh, wait, I think that's it. Either that or Ferris is imagining Cameron, but he's not real. One or the other. I... I feel like this really holds water. That little Saint, and she's called Saint Louise. That's kind of like I can't of, believe um, it. She, to- the, she the totally spectrum. exists in a vacuum from anyone else. So I think Carrie's probably she's under quite a lot of emotional strain. She's uh, she's feeling even amongst her friends. We've established in previous episodes that they don't listen when they talk. So she's probably feeling quite emotionally isolated. Like there's no real outlet. Um, Professionally, I don't know that we've seen her do any achieve anything throughout the 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 movie. Like, she how dare put- you? She writes the word love on a computer screen, as you mentioned last episode. Turns the full stop to ellipses, back to a and full then back stop. again. But like that's this weird. is that's that's after she's she's taken on Louise. Like okay, Lu- Louise this represents makes- Louise represents a mental breakdown. Shared yes. by Ca- shared by Carrie and the Frosty Fellas, it is where worlds this collide. Makes, this makes perfect sense as well for where she comes in in the movie because Carrie has basically gone through a semi catatonic state, not unlike Cameron and Ferris Bueller when they figure out that they can't make the odometer on the car go backwards by chucking it in reverse. Um, which I just have to say, as a comedy premise, is dynamite for. A- for something to put in a film. So funny that you could just turn back the clock like that by going reverse. Um, so so Carrie breaks down. She's been jilted. This is after, honestly, years of emotional abuse from her partner, Big. They've been abusing each other. They've been lashing out. I think it was um, Jean Frigger who said these two just shouldn't be together. And the more I think about it, the more, the more true it is. And it's such a horrible moral to put them being together as the audience expectation in this film. So Carrie's damaged. She's gone to Mexico, gotten reasonably blotto with her mates. She goes and gets a haircut, which is a real sign of, like, human grief. That's that's what people do she, often she, when they th- come out of a big relationship. She gets the haircut one. after after St. Louise appears. Oh, that's true. Well, that's come, sort of of a She piece, comes straight back. And also, I think the, the filmmaking represents the, fr- the, the mental fraying of the edges of Carrie's mind because the transition we see into Carrie deciding she needs to get a personal assistant is the shot of her throwing the cell phone into the water. We see it on the yes. fringes of the water on the beach. The water laps over the phone. And then the seediest and dodgiest of all cinema transitions. I cannot believe that they played this out on the silver screen. The water <laughs> of the this. ocean somehow transmorphs into a, a puddle of rainwater with a wheel in it that drives away. And we see yeah. Carrie at the front of her old apartment going to start her life again. Really half-hearted attempt at a, I think it's called a matched shot in film. It's at that moment. Um, so so then the, what we see, instead of actually seeing Carrie going out and interviewing all these different candidates for a personal assistant job, what the, yeah. what that scene actually is, is Carrie 
just having a having a breakdown in a Starbucks. It's just a woman yes. talking to various different people who exist within their mind in a Starbucks. Yeah. Until she yeah. finds one she likes and leaves the coffee shop. Holy shit. Okay, let's let's do a little mental map here. because um, I'm quite bad at the chronology of how the movie comes out. My memory just doesn't work like that. Um what happens after we meet Louise? Like, what bits of the film transpire after that? Because that is all of the stuff that happens during that period is now when Carrie has lost her mind after her psychic. Uh, so after after that, we've got. Uh, I mean, first of all, Louise immediately comes in and helps Carrie organize her life. So, you know, this is the this is the positive side of this breakdown is that there, there is actual value in it, and that Carrie uses it as some sort of you know. Uh, mental support to sort of unpack her apartment, fix her website, yeah. start putting the yeah. pieces back together. Uh, she also becomes a better oh friend. Oh my god, this is so Fight Club because it means she's hiding those emails from herself that oh, get sent yes. to Big. But like she has to pick apart what she picked as her own password to lock emails away from herself. Like she's she's putting a wall between one section of her brain and another. Fucking hell! This movie just got a lot better. It truly did. You've you've unlocked something special because we've been watching it for thirty-one screenings as just uh, an ordinary, overinflated rom-com reviving a beloved television franchise. What we didn't realize is that Mattress Pikelet King is actually Mattress Pikelet Shyamalan. Yes, he's trying. He's M. Petrus. No, fuck. How does this work? He's, he's Trojan horsed us. Beautiful Jennifer Hudson gun. is Bruce Willis. Yeah. No, Carrie is Bruce. Oh, wait. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or Carrie Bradshaw is um, Ed Norton in Fight Club. Is that kind of an affair? This is possibly so, okay, so what possibly else? both. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
what else happens? What else happens? We've How got, good would um, it be to see a screening of Sex in the City where uh, Edward Norton plays Carrie Bradshaw and Bruce Willis plays St. Louise? <laughs> I'd pay substantial money for that. It's going to be a lot it's of trouble. It's one of those uh, situations where she gets the haircut and people are kind of commenting on it. It's like, it's almost a red herring. Because people are like, oh, your hair looks really good. It's like, yeah, cheers. I've invented a whole other person <laughs> who I'm treating as a personal assistant and they don't exist. But she's, um, she's but, oblivious. Yeah, no, and the reason she's getting good. away with it is because she's she doesn't introduce... I mean, I, I don't know what the, the traditional lines of friendship and professionalism are between, you know, someone and their personal assistant, but it seems to me that they're quite buddy-buddy. Like, you'd imagine that Carrie would be excited to introduce this person to her other friends, and yet she totally. doesn't. Like, no, yeah. n- no one, no one in her immediate orbit sees what is happening because she doesn't let them. It's such a closely guarded secret. So, okay, okay... Does that mean that Carrie, on some level, knows it's a delusion? Because no. if she was fully in the grips of it, she would attempt to introduce Louise to people, and no, they'd be like, you know, there's no one there, Carrie. Do you know, I think because St. Louise is, uh, she has a genuine capacity for empathy, and so what, what mm-hmm. I think is that Carrie has found this character and is... Uh, Afraid of sharing someone with these qualities with her other friends, so wow, she's she. It's a it's a conscious decision she's made to not. I don't even know that she she tells any of them that she's hired a personal assistant. She doesn't. This is why. This is what I was talking about when I'm like I always kind of forget she's in the movie because the one thread she has is to carry. And she's not connected in any way for any amount of time to any other character except for her own. Um, set of people, her family and her fiance. This is fucked, man. That's so what? crazy. I can't believe Mattress Pikelet did this to us for such a long time. He's back in the good books. What a play. I know. We should write him an email saying we figured it out. We should. So, I mean. What it, other it, explanation could there be? What is our relationship to St. Louise? Because I do feel like, in some way, she, she represents us or she's, she's here to help us. Yeah. So. Here's what I think has happened. Carrie Bradshaw has gotten to a stage in her life where she's 41 years old and she's taken a look around, which has been... um, It's a moment that got forced on her by the fact that she got left at the altar by a man that she's been in an emotionally abusive relationship with for a decade. She finally had to uh, take a look in the mirror and she found out she is not a good person and she is wholly without empathy. She can't hold a conversation with other people for like 30 seconds without making it about herself. So what Louise is, is the embodiment of all of these virtues that Carrie knows a person should have, but Carrie doesn't actually know how to integrate it with her personality. So it's this like external make-believe friend that is the embodiment of everything Carrie knows she should be helpful kind selfless good at technology but she doesn't know how to put that into herself oh thoughts yeah I mean it, it all it all adds up and I think that in, in creating this person Carrie has also unknowingly created uh, some sort of beacon of hope for us that maybe we sort of we offhandedly dismissed or didn't pay you know due mind the first 31 times we met her but 
right. St. Louise you represents... Think more gold in the hills? Well, I just think that she, she represents, you know, something for us. And what other films have we had, uh, you know, a spectral character who... who uh, I mean, when she's not on screen, she's literally capable of anything because she, the, 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 the rules of, you know, uh, reality do the not apply to her. Universe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, who knows? You know, she's been she's been uh, thought into existence, or you know, she's been created from yeah. the, from the re- the recesses of Carrie's mind. But so long as she's not engaging with Carrie, she is entirely you know she's got or total autonomy over her decisions. So when she's not on screen, she's kicking around in the background, you know, probably causing some mischief, probably inspecting the sewers, having words with the rats, you know, literally talking well, that, to this- anyone and thing. This is a very interesting interpretation, guy, because you are you are unlike Dickbot, Brady the Rat King, these sorts of um, peripheral characters who are getting up to a lot of stuff on the sidelines, just outside of the frame of what we see. Um, Saint Louise is in a slightly different category, whereby she doesn't exist, but you've sort of interpreted her like she does. She's got action outside the screen, but she's just an imagining of Carrie. But no, because do you know you know um, it's it's the same thing where like it's it's I think it, I, I you know I, f- I fear speaking out of turn here, but there's a, a behaviour within uh, schizophrenia whereby you know it's difficult to hold people accountable for actions that are performed by someone else who lives within their body. And oh, to, like a, a multiple personality sort of a thing. Exactly. And uh, that's oh. what we—that's what we're dealing with here. So she—I do, oh. mean, she, she does. She does exist within the real world. Okay, so Just less not, like not M. Night represent- Shyamalan's not- Sixth Sense, and more like M. Night Shyamalan's Split. A film I have not seen, but presumably yes. It's about someone with split personality disorder, or not. That's the—that's the, yeah, yeah. the premise. I mean, ah, okay. Mattress Pikelet's done a delectable, delectable job of only leaving, you know, en- enough breadcrumbs to, for us to have the idea of a meal. But, you know, what we choose to do with them yeah. and when we eat them uh, is entirely up to us. Um, does this then mean that whenever Carrie is by herself and acting out these, I'm presuming she does it out loud, acting out the conversations between her and Louise, she does a Louise voice? Absolutely. <laughs> I hasten to add is uh, Jennifer Hudson. You better believe that's what she does. If a forty-year-old rich white woman is being racist and no one's around to hear it, does it? You know, well, does it make a sound? Sadly, it doesn't exist entirely within the confines of her own apartment. When they go out for cocktails, that is one of the most True. uncomfortable nights that the bartender has pulled within that hotel lobby. Just watching Carrie Bradshaw, renowned author and sexual anthropologist about town, performing a dual conversation about booty calls and how she doesn't get to have them anymore. But one of them is 20 years her junior and black. (laughs) Oh, man. Good fucking times. It really has put a difference. But do you know what? This almost endears me more to Carrie Bradshaw because it's such a huge flaw. Yeah, it does make her interesting because it's like, you know, previously we've dismissed all of her problems as not actually existing within reality because it's like, yeah, but, you know, it's all it's all sort of wrought upon herself or I, I just, I've struggled to find a reason to, to sympathize with her. But, 
you know, knowing just how much strain she's found herself under, like it does make her such a more interesting character. Yeah. Character. Caricature. Do you know you could almost do the same thing with Smith Garrett were it not for our extensive knowledge of the second film? Oh, and actually, he's in the TV show as well, so everyone's yeah, met him and people talk about him. No one also, even fucking mentions her. No one Smith, even mentions Louise. How could they? You know, I can't. I can't mention thoughts you have that I don't. I don't yeah. hear. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, what? What to me is the biggest miracle of all is that Carrie somehow manages not to refer to or engage with Saint Louise in front of her friends. I guess that comes from the fact she's trying to hide them from her. But like, that must be so. Di- like, maybe the reason that she's socially restricted or uh, you know slightly off, you know, selfish around her close friends later in the film. It's because all of her energy and concentration, instead of going to being a good friend, is going to shield St. Louise from her friends. Why do I mean, you think she's shielding Louise from her friends? Uh, for the reasons I've outlined before. Because she's found a friend who embodies all the traits that she craves in, in companionship and doesn't want But why her... would you not... Oh, sorry. She, does it, she, does it, she doesn't want her friends to, to like take a slice of that pie or, or chop and change the personality and sort of you know the more time they spend with each other the worse these women become and so by introducing oh, St. Louise to these people uh, that will begin the decay of this incredible you know alter ego that Carrie's created for herself but almost simultaneously by spending more time with these wretched friends as long as you don't tell them about yeah. Louise it almost makes Louise grow it makes her stronger, that's right. It drives Carrie deeper within herself. All right, so um, why then does Louise leave? At what point does that happen? It's kind of when she's repaired her life. Absolutely. So that still holds water. Uh, yeah, so I guess Louise is still on the scene when Carrie has the breakthrough with that she's hidden the emails from herself. Um, yeah. I guess... Louise is a coping mechanism for her separation from Big because by the time she's back with Big, we know that Louise doesn't reappear in the second film. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And um, this is also, there's like such obvious foreshadowing by the fact that Louise says that she's going to get married. Like, it just all of a sudden, she decides that her and her ex-boyfriend are going to yeah. get married and she needs to leave. And that's Literal- Carrie making the call in her head. Me and Big are going to get back together. I don't know how. I don't know exactly when, but we're going to get back together and we're going to get it's married. It's literally when they go, when she goes to the, the wardrobe. So the last thing that Louise says to her is, you left those shoes in the wardrobe. She goes to the wardrobe. Yes. Who, who's there? Mr. Big. I mean, of all of the that. harebrained theories we've concocted for the various different films we've watched... Various is probably quite generous. The four different films we've watched. This yeah. one, like everything, everything fits neatly within the actual framework of the movie that everyone else is watching as well. Do you know what I like about this? Is that as a, a listener to this podcast, you heard this happen in real time. All the other theories I've usually penned down when I've like gotten too bored of the film. Um, or just needed to like protect myself against the film, so I've started um, hiding into the recesses of my own mind, which is quite analogous to what we're talking about—the phenomenon. Um, but you heard that, or you heard the cogs turn and produce this result, folks. You heard it here live first as it unfolded. 
Absolutely. I mean, that, that to me, because you heard who I was at the start of this episode, and you can hear who I am yeah. now. I'm a tired boy, yeah. but that to me was just like fucking Christmas. Real shot in the arm. I like the concept. Um, I, I kind of would want this to apply in real life, that if you get to a point in your life where you're at your lowest ebb and you don't have the personal resources in you to kind of fix your life, but your brain sort of unlocks this this extra resource that you didn't know you had to create a character, create an imaginary friend to help you through. Because there's something less confronting about having like a third party, this external person, to guide you through it rather than you have to do it yourself. Well, like it would actually be a pretty good feature of the human brain if this was. Real. We encourage children to, you know, be open to and cultivate friendships with their imaginary friends, but at some point in adulthood, that becomes, you know, unacceptable or unhealthy. But mm. what we've seen is Carrie becomes so vapid and self-centered, she returns in some ways to a childlike state, whereby it serves an important mental function. Yeah. Wow. Go us. Uh, um, did you I, have a shining light this watch, buddy? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> I I hated every second of it. I mean, I was furious the whole time. I was furious and tired. Like I was literally holding my eyelids open while just fucking fuming. Uh, but I mean, all entirely redeemed by this conversation we've just had. I don't, I don't want to talk about anything else. Like if it's okay with you, Tim, right, I think this cool. this is an episode. No, no. My, uh, excuse me, Martha, clear all my calls. We're just discussing this one thing this episode. Absolutely. Did you have a shining light? Martha, of course, is Martha Stewart, who I have hired as my personal assistant because <laughs> yeah. I'd like some creative tax treatment. <laughs> shining I, light. Well, I mean, I, th- I feel like I've put a lot on the floor. You, you throw in. No, I told you. I don't have one. Oh, uh, well, not even Shining Light. I thought we'd just cancel it for this episode. I don't really have one either. Okay, great. Um, Thanks so much, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Is that truly us? Yeah. Yeah, fuck it. That is us. That's us. Yeah, we're done. T- take um, the what a great the day episode. off. Yeah. Take, take the afternoon off, everyone. I love it. We've got a live show coming up in Melbourne. Um, oh, it's sold out. I forgot. But we might have some limited door sales. So uh, keep your eyes peeled on the Twitter. Um, both Guy and I will retweet it. It'll probably come out of the Little Empire podcast Twitter account as well. Um, if you do find yourself in Melbourne, Guy's got a live show going on at the moment called I Was Part of the Problem. Be- oh, fuck. Before we were talking again? about it. Before we were talking about it, which you'll find at littleempirepodcasts.com slash live. Uh, we've both got shows coming up in New Zealand as well that's on that same page. And, um, you know, all the good shows that you want to go to are on that page. Uh, I feel so happy. A, a crisp 30-ish minutes. You got anything oh. else you want to leave the audience with, Guy? Absolutely not. Oh, to be young again. I'm going back to bed. Bye, everybody. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. It, he sort of feels me out. I feel him out. And uh, we go for it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.